This is President Trump. I'm the greatest president ever. And I'm in Lane Cove, which is probably the greatest. It's a beautiful suburb. I'm, go- I'm going to build a wall around it. I'm going to get Tom Gleason to pay for it. It's going to be fantastic. This is the In the Cove podcast. Welcome to the second episode of In The Cove podcast. My name's Rob Caldor. And I'm Jackie Barker, the founder of In The Cove. Jackie, can you believe episode two? And look, this is a bit of a special episode, isn't it? It is. And I cannot believe the feedback we got on the first one. Thank you to everybody who's contacted me via our 27,000 different platforms that In The Cove now has. It's been amazing. And I didn't realise that people were so into podcasts in Lane Cove. We're interested in everyone's ideas and thoughts, people to interview, news and things like that. But today, as I said before, it's a special episode. That's right, Rob. So what we're going to do is uh, our podcasts are going to come out on the third Wednesday of every month and we will let you know about it. But if you subscribe, uh, you'll automatically know. But if you don't, don't panic because we will let you know. Believe me, I've got a lot of places that I let you know things about. And when Jackie talks about subscribe, we're, look, we're talking most podcasts are downloaded from Apple, so Apple Podcasts. Go there, find the podcast, just go in the Cove podcast, it will pop up, click the subscribe and you know when it comes out you'll get a little alert on your iPhone and for those non-iPhone people um, you can go to Spotify, you can also just go to the website, there'll be lots of places to listen to it. So there's no way you'll miss out on any episodes of In the Cove. I'll make sure of it, Rob. This episode, which isn't on the third Wednesday of every month, is a special one because there are three big events happening. Obviously, next week, first Tuesday of November, it's a very special day. What goes on then, Jax? I think it's the Melbourne Cup. I'm very excited for the Melbourne Cup. I always go in with hope that I will win. And I think you've given us a tool of winning potentially, Jack. I have. Normally I look at the list and I go, hmm, I like that name. And boy, that jockey's got some really great, great colours. But I met a Lane Cove legend, Melbourne Cup Max, who has helped me have a few little wins. So we look forward to talking to Max. But, you know, there's something else that's happening on the first Tuesday in November. Whereabouts would it be? It's not a local event. It's actually an event that's going to affect the world. It is the American election. You may have heard a bit about it. If it happens in Lane Cove, I know about it, but I also do happen to know that there is a US election. Why would we be speaking about the US election on In The Cove podcast? Well, the answer is, is that in Lane Cove, we have a Lane Cove resident called Simon Kennedy, who is a brilliant comedian and a wonderful Donald Trump impersonator and we wanted to speak to him about how he's handled COVID but also just to give us a little bit of his Trumpisms and it is funny so you've got wait for that one. Okay so a, a bit of the Don will make it to the uh, In the Cove podcast. Yes that's right Lane Cove will be made greater again. But Jack you know when I win something at the Melbourne Cup and I'm winning big this year after talking to Max I want to spend my money and the thing that I like spending my money on is beautiful art. Any suggestions of you know, how I can do that. Well, funny you should say that. In the first full weekend of uh, November, it's the annual Greenwich Village Arts Trail where all these creative Greenwich people get together and showcase their working environment and their studio. And you grab a map, you walk through the beautiful jacaranda-lined streets of Greenwich, you stop at the Greenwich shops, you have a cappuccino and you view beautiful art. 
Stay tuned, everyone. We've got a great podcast happening. In the Cove, in the know. We are blessed at In the Cove today to have Melbourne Cup Max telling us about what's going to happen in this year's 2020 COVID hit Melbourne Cup. Hello, Max. <laughs> Hello, Rob. Hello, Jackie. It's great to be here. Blessed. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I like that. Blessed to be here. Oh, yeah, that's got a nice ring about it. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about Melbourne Cup Max, or as um, he might be known by lots of people in Lane Cove, Max Hitchens. Max is Australia's number one expert on the Melbourne Cup and has a record that is amazing. How many times have you picked the winner of the Melbourne Cup, Max? I have a system that has uh, worked for 26 out of the last 32 years. Uh, and the system is a, uh, uh, is a matter of breaking the field down from, uh, from the 24 horses to, uh, to bringing it down to uh, six and then reducing it to three and reducing it to one. Now, for 26 of the years, um, the winner has been in those chosen six. For 15 of the years, um, uh, the, 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 when I break it down to the one winning horse, I've been right 15 out of, uh, out of 32. So it's, uh, it's reasonable. It's reasonable. Max, tell us a little bit about how someone would find out about your predictions and and, uh, how you uh, let them know who's going to win the Cup. Uh, I do uh, an e-book each year, Jackie, and uh, it's at pickthecupwinner.com.au, which is easy to remember because we've just got to think about what do we try and do each year. We try to pick the cup winner. Uh, And um, I do an e-book and we sell it from the the site. Uh, And uh, in the the book is... uh, Every race that is connected or has any connection to the Melbourne Cup, uh, I've researched and I can uh, and I put it all in the in the ebook, telling you exactly who ran where, what race, the distance, the uh, um, everything connected with. And I'm talking about all round the world. You see, um, I focus on one race per year, the Melbourne Cup, and any time there is anything written about the Melbourne Cup anywhere in the world, I've got it on my computer the very next day. And uh, so I really do focus on the, uh, the Melbourne Cup totally. Melbourne Cup 2020 is going to be a bit different, aka the COVID Cup. We know it's going to be running in Melbourne. Will Sydney jockeys be allowed to ride? Sydney jockeys are, uh, are certainly allowed to ride. Some of them are already there. Huey Bowman, who is a uh, who is uh, I regard as one of the best jockeys in the in the country, if not the world, and uh, he's already down there. He's chosen to go down and live in Melbourne for the next uh, three weeks. To uh, uh, and he's been riding. He was riding last weekend. Uh, um, so yes, the, the, some will be. Some will choose just to stay in Sydney. Now I'm, I'm looking through, and I have the luxury, and we haven't let you have this. I've got the luxury of of all the Melbourne. Cup horses. Yes. Do you know who won in 1937? Uh, yes, the Trump won in 1937. Uh, do you think that's a... Uh, <laughs> a, a an a, omen? An omen because the, mel- the election is the same day, isn't uh, it? No, because I don't think Trump is going to, uh, to win in, uh, in America. I think he's going to be beaten soundly in, uh, in America. So is there another horse in the, in the race called Biden? I'd be looking for something like that. <laughs> you are always on demand on Melbourne Cup, you've been on 
national television, radio. They all loved hearing your predictions. Everyone wants to know me for the week leading up to the Melbourne Cup. You know, the day after the Melbourne Cup, nobody cares whether I win or I win or lose. So, if I'd won gold, a gold medal, I'd be I'd be right for life as the gold medalist in the Olympics. But when I pick the winner of the Melbourne Cup, they forget about me the next day. I'm not sure how I solved that problem. So the reason we've got you in today, Max, is because you are I consider one of our Lane Cove legends. But the funny thing is, is that uh, you've lived in Lane Cove since when? When we came here in 1973, uh, we lived down near uh, Riverview College and, uh, and the area was, uh, was all Lane Cove where, where we were and for years we lived in, uh, in Lane Cove. And then uh, uh, all of a sudden, and, and I didn't even know it happened, they moved the border and, and the border moved and our house is now in, in Riverview. Uh, so, so I didn't move at all, but I've actually changed uh, changed suburbs. We now live in Riverview. I think it might have added to the value of the house. I'm very happy with it. I don't want to change. I just think that's amazing that you've changed the suburbs but never moved. And also, Max, your or lots of your family live in Lane Cove. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, we have the three daughters all went to uh, to school. Uh, uh, in uh, in Sydney, although they were all born in Moree. I'm going to test you because you keep on saying, you know, the first, second and third horses for the last 100 years of the Melbourne Cup. Only for 100 years. 100 years. Yeah. Okay, so the, how long has the Melbourne Cup been going? Um, since 1861. But who won the first Melbourne Cup? Uh, that was Archer. Archer. <laughs> Archer. And it also won the second Melbourne Cup. But you've gone back too far. I said only 100 years. David Koch asked me that on television. He said, uh, Max, I understand you can, uh, you, you can <laughs> tell me the winners for the last uh, or ever since the Melbourne Cup began. And I said, no, Koshy, only for the last 100 years. He said, that'll do. Who won in 1994? And I only need the first place. Uh, Honor Jeune won in, uh, in 1994. Who won in 2009? Oh, that's a shocking thing to ask me because that was the name of the horse. Oh, shocking. you're too good. You're too good. Who won in 1988? Um, in 1987 was uh, Kensai. In 1988 was uh, Empire Rose. Who won in 1957? Uh, in 57... Uh, was uh, McDougal was 59, um, and 57 was straight, uh, straight draw. The last one, who won in 1950? Um, a horse called Comic Court. Oh, my gosh. by Bart Cummings' father. You are one amazing, one amazing, amazing person. And just before we go, um, I love telling people about the Lane Cove creds credibility and, and your connection. You've also got a daughter who has a business online, which love, lots of Lane Cove people love, and um, that's called You Light Me Up Candles. Absolutely. That's my daughter, Sally. Very proud of my daughter, Sally. Yes. That does lots of good stuff. And they're the most beautiful statement candles, and I suggest that people look up her website, so it's You Light Me Up. One other thing that I need to tell you is um, the only time I ever place a bet is on Melbourne Carp. Before I met you, Max, I just did it on their names and whether that and what colours. And last year, I decided that I would use your system, and I got the six horses. I put a trifecta on, 
and I got two out of the three and I told everybody else what what they should bet on and they just did it on the nose and they all won money and I won nothing, nothing, zero, zilch. I love a good trifecta but it is a tough nut to crack. Max, how much does the ebook cost? Uh, the ebook um, retails on the pickthecupwinner.com.au for ten ninety five, and with the ebook comes a access to a, a password protected page. I put my final selections uh, on a password protected page on Cup Morning after eight a.m. So uh, people can go there after if they've uh, they've bought the book, they can uh, can go to their site, download the uh, or see exactly my total thinking on that. Uh, and the reason I do it, by the way, like that, is Melbourne weather can change. People say to me three or four days before, and uh, um, Melbourne weather change can change so dramatically. So it's always after eight o'clock on Cup Day morning. Thanks so much, Max. You are always such a pleasure to talk to. What happens in the cove stays in the cove. Sleepy Tom Gleeson is not good. He's the opposite of good. He's ungood. This is fantastic. I, I love it here in the Cove. It's almost as good as Riverview or Longueville. I'm with Simon Kennedy, local comedian and expert Trump impersonator. And when I say local comedian, I mean a comedian who has been, who has performed all over Australia on every network, but he just happens to live in Lang Cove. And he's very funny. And I don't know if you ever saw him at the Alcott when he did some Lang Cove jokes, but he had them rolling in the aisles. Hello. And I, I've got to say, I'm not sure if they were rolling in the aisles at the Alcott. They didn't technically have aisles. So they were kind of rolling between tables and into the pokey room. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> Simon, tell me, how did you, how did you get into comedy? Uh, 20 years ago. It was, the sea was angry that day, my friends. And it was, it was September 1999, actually, is where I first set foot on stage and doing an open mic comedy night. And, um, yeah, and I thought I had, I had the arrogance of a young man, a 25-year-old man who uh, uh, thought, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm funny, people need to hear this. And, um, look, I wasn't amazing when I started, but uh, I just kept going and kept getting back up and... Um, yeah, eventually some, someone started paying me money. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for 20 years uh, and then some. It takes a lot of guts to get up in front of people and be funny. Look, you know, I say people often say, oh, comedy, that must be the hardest job in the world. Um, they say that a lot. Uh, and I say it, it is if you're bad at it. Like if, you, if you're crap at comedy, it is the hardest job in the world. But not if you like it, not if you're, you know, not if you're adept, adept at it. I mean, I, I love it. I, I do not want a real job. Um, so I, I'm happy people think it's hard because it leaves more work for me. So I saw um, a segment that you posted on LinkedIn showing how you'd pivoted during the COVID-19 and you've set up the most amazing studio in your Langcove home. It has a green screen, a sound booth and you do lots of Zoom. So tell me exactly how you do it and how people could contact you if they wanted, uh, some, wanted Simon to be involved with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously when, um, when COVID really hit hard, um, they just turned the tap right off on live performance and that is pretty bad for business, right? Um, for, for musicians, for comedians and, and various, you know, even yoga teachers, for instance. But um, for, for me, I'm like, well, this kind of sucks. I guess I'm going to be very quiet this year. And um, it was actually one of the one of the one of the dads from school um, who's a local, um, 
Uh, big shout out to Mick Lubinskis, who uh, works, you know, he's an innovator and works in startups and that sort of thing. And he said to me, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, doing comedy shows on Zoom? This is, this is as it all just fell apart. I think he might have read my Facebook post saying I had about 50 gigs cancelled today. And, uh, and my immediate thought was, yeah, that'd never work, you know, and, uh, because it's all about that live interaction. And I thought, well, yeah, well, okay, well, you can say that, Simon, or you can just try it. And so I did a, a sort of a Zoom show, if you, if you want, for his team. I said, look, I'll do it for your team and let's see what happens. Let's see how it works. And I worked out what worked and what didn't. And I went, I can improve on that. The bits that worked really worked. Um, so I kept, you know, adapting it all, changing it. And what I've ended up with is a product that actually does work. I mean, it's not stand-up, live stand-up. It's different. It's a new format. And, um, and I think I've worked out how it works. And I've been doing quite a few of them recently. And, um, you know, my manager is really, you know, he's supportive because he's like, well, because I've got, I'm out of ideas here. And uh, so he's been really good at marketing things and making it happen with corporates and corporate clients. So, yeah, so here we are um, months into it. And, you know, I'm probably doing, um, you know, maybe three a week, two or three a week of these things. Um, obviously, Victoria have quite the, the, the urge with their lockdown. Um, they need it. Um, yeah. So, um, so if you do want to you know, get it for your company. Um, just just hit up Mark. He's at standupcomedians.com.au. Um, easy to remember that. Um, yeah, and it's actually I'm kind of enjoying it. I, um, I think one of the interesting things about the you know the Zoom world that we're in at the moment, and it's actually similar for podcasts. That strangely, although you're um, you know performing, it feels quite intimate when you're on these Zoom chats or with that person. Like it does feel one-to-one and stand-ups obviously you get the energy from the audience traditionally but are you finding that you're you know you feel closer to the people that you're performing to it it is more intimate it's a really good observation um it you know you have the crowd and you can interact with the front row um but it's still very much but but it, you feel like you're like you're literally in someone's house like I, i'll get someone on there i go hey you know janine how are you going um uh, love what you've done with your hair and uh, you might want to close the cupboard behind you because I can see you're washing, you know, things like that. So it actually is very intimate um, and it, it's different and I think I liken it a bit more and I've had many years in, in radio. Um, so um, I started when I was a, a young bloke in radio, regional radio and, and one thing you learn when you're in radio is that it's, um, you're not talking to an audience in radio, you're talking to one person at a time on multiple levels. Um, so it's, very, it's a very personal communication. So um, I found that those skills that I learned through doing radio came into play doing this Zoom. I basically, I reckon I've joined together radio and stand-up together because what I'm doing is I'm doing jokes knowing that I won't hear the audience um, laugh. I can see them laughing, which is okay. So... You know, that you can see their heads fly back and see them smiling. And I'm like, okay, it's working, you know. I've had some interesting... I did have um, a group that I was doing it, doing a Zoom thing for and, and a girl I was, I was... I do one-on-one when I'm doing it. So I talk to the group and then I'll take someone and talk to them for a bit, uh, you, know, you know, do some of my jokes, do one person in a way with everyone else. There's one girl um, down in Victoria and her flatmate walked past with no shirt on. Um, it was a bloke, so it was nothing weird. But, but it was definitely a bit of a, well, this, that's not a very corporate thing, is it? Um, I say, your, your, your flatmate, he's, he's ripped, isn't he? <laughs> you know, what's going on there? there you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. 
This is fascinating, Simon, that you've taken a live performance and you've adapted and you've moved on and it's great that people – there's so many corporates in Lang Cove that should um, – that need someone like you. So again, how do they find you? Yeah, look, I mean, honestly, I mean, I've got a website. You can just go to simonkennedy.com, which is really easy. And then you, you can click through to whoever needs me there. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a multifaceted individual. I mean, you, you, to keep in Australia, to make a, you know, a good living out of entertainment, you've got to be You've always got to be willing to pivot, um, you know. So, so this year it is unusual, but trying new things isn't unusual for me. Um, like I say, I, I started out in radio when I was about twenty-three, uh, and worked in that realm. Worked out that I really wanted to get in front of people, so turned my hand to stand-up comedy, and was doing stand-up comedy and radio at the same time, whilst also writing for people, you know, like copywriting in commercial and doing voiceover work. So for me, it's not unusual to, yeah, to, to make a sharp left. Simon has every year been the MC at the Lane Cove Cats sports dinner, which again, sports lunch, which again, we haven't had this year. And people love you there. And it's amazing because you are a great MC and you're very funny. And I have to say... Uh, when you've got Warwick Kappa as one of the guests and you managed to keep him under control, that was a work of art, basically, <laughs> because that man can go off. Warwick Kappa, that, that was one of the, that was certainly an interesting, you know, geez. Um, I, I was listening to some Van Halen last week and, uh, you know, because Eddie Van Halen, we lost him the other week. And I, I love Van Halen, always did. And I think about about David Lee Roth, who was the front man of Van Halen, I think of him as the Warwick Kappa of music. Like... <laughs> Like these characters, they're so large, they're larger than life. You wonder if they, are they idiots or are they just geniuses pretending to be idiots? I don't know. But Warwick was certainly entertaining in ways. Uh, yeah, that was, it was on my toes, kept me on my toes. I, I love doing the Lane Cove Cat, Cats um, sports lunches. I mean, I mean, you say it's one, you're nice for me to do it, but quite frankly, it's nice for them to support me as a local uh, performer and get me involved as well. Like, uh, and that is one thing that's great about Lane Cove is that so many... Um, there's so much reciprocal uh, support that goes on. Um, so you do something, you know, you might do one thing for free and someone comes back with, with a job for you. And, you know, and, it's, and you don't always expect it. You don't do it because of that. But it is, that's one great thing about this town is that um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very supportive community. I, I, I kind of dig that, you know. I love the way how Simon just called Lankhove a town. It's like our own little city yeah, within the city. It could be a country town, with, but not in the country. I know, yeah. I know. Another string to Simon's bow is I think he is the best Donald Trump impersonator in Australia. What do you think, Simon? Do you think that, this, that you're great? Oh, that's a, that's a big one. You know what? I was, um, I was driving to Orange, actually, to do some shows the other, the other week, and I was questioning, you know, uh, everything, you know. Is there a God? I don't know, all that sort of stuff. And then I heard on the radio that Trump got COVID. I'm like, well, okay, maybe there's a God. I don't know. Um, and, and, but I, but I, I wanted to hear what he had to say. He was quiet for a little while on it, but I wanted to hear him come out and tell everyone he got – he was diagnosed. He goes, you know, I tested positive. I, I tested positive to COVID, more positive than anyone else has ever tested, the most positive ever. In fact, they did, they did my temperature. The numbers were so high. Incredibly high. Higher than anyone. It's amazing. I got better COVID than Sleepy Joe Biden, okay? 
So good. Um, I think I, I do a pretty good job. You, you do. <laughs> and in fact, if anyone needs a Donald Trump impersonator again, simonkennedy.com. Not only is Simon a great comedian, but Simon also has written the most amazing book. And we're going to get Simon back later on a podcast. And I think I might even dedicate a full podcast because it's such an amazing story. So we're just going to touch on it now and then um, get you back because the, the subject matter needs much more than a short interview. Um, so, Simon, your book is called 9-11 and the Art of Happiness. Just could you tell me why you wrote that book? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, so my mother uh, was a passenger on Flight 77 that crashed into the Pentagon. And so that, that's been obviously part of my life story since 2001. And it, it's something I kept very much under a bushel for a long time. I didn't want to be, you know, known for that. I didn't want too much attention because of that. Um, so basically I didn't, uh, I didn't talk about it publicly. I didn't let people, people knew me knew. Um, uh, and, uh, and I kind of felt like the story was being told by other people. Like, you know, constantly reading articles and like, you know what, I think I, I would like to be the one to tell this story if that's okay. So I did write the book. Um, and yeah, I'm glad I did because I kind of, you know, one thing about a book as opposed to if you do an interview or whatever you do, is is you really do control the story from from A to Z or Z, whatever, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wanted to do that and, and so I did. So that was released in 2014 um, and has been ticking along ever since and really glad it's out there because people, um, people respond to it in a really lovely way. Um, so I want people to go out and buy... 9-11 in the Art of Happiness and read it so that when we interview you again, they'll just they'll know exactly what it's about. So where could they where can they buy it? Is it's online, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's in the Burns Bay Bookery. Oh, it's in the Burns Bay Bookery. Yeah, go down there. Okay. Yeah, buy, buy them out, then I'll give them some more. Um, and, uh, uh, and the Burns Bay Bookery is located on Burns Bay Road, not far from the old Coles building. Uh, near BWS. I, that's how people know. You know what? I, it's Lane Cove. People drink a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should have said BWS. I'm a non-drinker, so that's probably yeah, why that's I right. didn't do it. But yeah. we're, we're responsible drinkers in, yeah. in the Cove podcast. Right. That's, Sorry, how I, that's how I know where it's being sold. <laughs> mm. So um, Burns Bay Bookery and... Um, and it is in the library, of course, um, yeah. in Lane, Lane Cove Library, which is where I wrote a, a lot of the book, mm. Lane Cove Library. I sat in that library and wrote a lot of it. Um, and um, I think they've even got a stack of them for their book club um, thing. So I've, can... I've interviewed quite a lot of authors in, in my time and you'd be amazed how many authors write books in libraries. I think there's something about the ability to be in a public place but quiet. Hmm. Well, that's it. I mean, I had, um, when I was writing it, we had, um, you know, a, I think a toddler at home and stuff like that and it was all a bit crazy. Um, so, yeah, I just walked up the road and went to the library. And um, it's great. I, I wrote it. I reckon I, I reckon I wrote about fifty percent of the book there. Um, a bunch of it I also wrote the Stanton, not Stanton Library, the um, in the in the in the New South Wales Library, that beautiful the Mitchell um, Library, Mitchell, the Mitchell, gorgeous room that is. So you sit there and you feel smarter when you're surrounded by books like that. You're That's like, why I wear glasses. People assume yeah. there's like I, these actually do nothing, but they give me ten IQ points. The for goggles they do nothing. Mm. No, it's it's well, it's, you're surrounded by books. You think well, some of it's got to sink in somehow. I don't know. Fun fact. The Langcove Library has one of the highest borrowing rates of any library in New South Wales. It's a, good library. It's a brilliant library. It's yeah. brilliant. And they really 
if you want to find any information about Lane Cove, you just email the local studies section of the Lane Cove Library and they'll come back to you with the information. It is brilliant. Mm. Yeah, no, we, we love it. And um, yeah, we spend, have spent a lot of time there. You know, where the kids are, our kids are a bit bigger now, but uh, they still go in there. Um, it's good. It's so very yeah. good. Well, Simon, thank you so much. As I said, I really want to get you back when we can do a full podcast. And um, good luck on Election Day, which is what, yeah. November, the first Tuesday in November? It is Melbourne Cup, so you can bet on two races here. <laughs> it's, uh... how, do you, how do you feel about the election coming up? Because obviously, you know, getting Trump uh, re-elected will bring you some business. However, it may kind of send the world into a bit of an Armageddon spin. Yeah, look, I, I honestly, people say, oh, you don't want him to leave because of, of the comedy. And you know what? The world and and uh, and the, the peace uh, that could be created with that man gone is far more important to me than any joke I could write. And on the flip side as well, there's nothing I could come up with that is, pardon me, is much crazy as the stuff that Trump comes out with himself. So he's transcending comedy right now. There's no point even parodying it because he he's ruined it for everyone. So no, go on, go on, I'm going with Biden. Thank you so much, Simon. You're an absolute delight. I love um, seeing you around Lang Cove and thank you so much for supporting In The Cove. You've been a terrific supporter of us. Thanks, Jackie. In The Cove, is, it's an institution and, uh, and many of us belong in institutions. In the Cove events. Jackie, do you know that coming up in November will be the ninth year of the Greenwich Village Arts Trail? I do, Rob, and I've gone to it for the last couple of years and it is a great weekend and it's sort of a hidden gem. So that's why I've got two of the fabulous artists who are involved in the Greenwich Arts Trail to come along. We've got Dana Dion and Nicola Hart. Thank you so much for coming, guys. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. How many artists will there be on this year's Greenwich Village Arts Trail? This year we have 22 people on board. Wow. And Nicola, what type of things will there be? What ceramics, painting? Tell me, tell me all about it. Uh, it's an amazing selection of um, artworks. There's painters, sculptors, uh, ceramicists. There's people like me who do several things. Um, we've got a really great collection of um, interesting people who make a wide variety of art. So there's really this, there's so much to see. I know, it's great. I, I remember doing it one year when there were 29 artists and I was running from, from house to house and, and I wanted to buy something from everything, but I've got this husband who doesn't believe that I should spend money. <laughs> well, don't bring him along then. <laughs> okay, okay, so I, I, I grew up in an arts house, but I want to find out about both of your types of art. So, Dana, firstly, what art do you do? What's your art? I mainly paint um, usually larger works than smaller pieces. I use mainly acrylics, but I also use oils, and I use them on canvas or board. I do contemporary work. It's inspired by the landscape, um, and it used to be a lot more of actual depicting the landscape or creating a place. I used to make the landscapes as to create a place where I belong or I feel like I belong, so I made my own landscapes. But now it's more, it's less about the landscape and more about how I feel when I am in the landscape. And during COVID, has your style of art changed or has it influenced what you've been producing? 
I don't think, it, I think the fact that COVID is here is what is kind of, in the beginning, was a very block. I felt very blocked. I couldn't create. I couldn't really find any freedom of creation. I think now I'm just starting to get back into find, finding my mojo or my, my thing again. But I don't think it's influenced my work as far as the actual landscape. It's just more about what's going on in the world and it just gets in the way of creating. I try and work between several mediums. I make ceramics and mostly in um, porcelain and stoneware clays and I do functional wear um, that can also be used as a decorative um, piece. I love, I really honestly make things that make me happy. I love to use beautiful colours. I hand paint. Um, actually, when I started making ceramics, it was really just another excuse to paint, <laughs> another way to paint. Um, so I honestly make things that I love. There's nothing more exciting than opening a kiln and it's full of beautiful pieces. It really honestly brings me so much joy. Um, and the other thing I love to do is paint on canvas. Um, mostly at the moment I'm painting still lifes. Uh, I love to paint flowers and um, they, to me they're so fleeting and so beautiful. Uh, I love to capture that moment of beauty and um, I suppose I, I like to paint quite expressively but it's figurative painting. In fact, I've seen some of your beautiful ceramics with the most stunning pastel colours in BU Natural in the Langcove Arcade. Um, so can people still get that there? Are you still doing that? Actually, she sold out of everything and she needs to come and, and get some more off my shelves because they sold out. So we haven't had a chance to do that. But um, I sell a lot through my website and uh, several galleries um, and you know, a lot directly. So the Greenwich Village Arts Trail is really about meeting the artists and seeing their workshops in action and finding out more about the artists. Yeah, I think people, I think people love to not only buy work but meet the artist, see where they make the work, um, enjoy being in their space. There's nothing more exciting than coming in and seeing where the work is made, being able to see the paints the paintbrushes, the kiln, whatever it is that you use, um, and then to be able to purchase a piece of um, that person's art is, um, it adds, I think it really adds um, when you're buying something to get to know how it was made and where it came from. It's also a beautiful day out because Greenwich is such a beautiful suburb and it's on the harbour and the jacarandas all come out. So it's just a really amazing event for also all the locals to bump into each other because all the artists live quite in close proximity to one another you don't have to drive from one place to the next you can just walk the whole thing so the streets are full of people just come to life and people bump into each other the Greenwich Village Arts Trail is really about enjoying the beautiful suburb of Greenwich mm -hmm. enjoying walking and enjoying meeting the artists yeah um, and I just want to tell you that a couple of years ago, the Sydney Morning Herald had an article on creative suburbs. Greenwich was named a creative cluster. Normally what happens is that 
people find a place that inspires them and they all move there and then they feed off each other. And that's exactly what you guys mm. have done and you've created this brilliant event. Now, because of COVID, there's 22 artists. Um, I'm, sh I'm sure there's a few less than last year, but it's still going to be a great, great day. How long would it take if someone started it at House One <laughs> and went to 22? I don't think anybody's done it in one oh, day, yeah, really. Think, Unless yeah, they're yeah. like in People and out, have. in and out, in and out. Well, the good thing is, too, that we're open for two days. So you can do one part on Saturday and the other part on Sunday and you can stretch it out and have a coffee in the middle. That's always a good way to go. Or work around the kids' sport and come for Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. We're there 10 till 4 both days. So a lot to fit in. Uh, actually, last year was our record year. We had 29 artists last year. Uh, so this year, slightly less, but um, I think it will still be a wonderful day. I mean, one, I think one of the interesting, you know, issues that's t happened with COVID is that we're not really sure where and how to go out, and there's nothing better than having uh, something where you can move around, a little bit of exercise as well, and see creativity. I, I'm very excited. And people can come over on the ferry as well yep. and on the train to Wollstonecraft Station. And we have people who do that and they come on their bikes and then they cycle from one house to the next mm. and one studio to the next. So that's a great thing to do. Maybe not last year, but the year before, I went to every artist on the trail and absolutely wore myself out going but enjoyed absolutely everything of it. And I'm sad to say I had to drive between each <laughs> to do it in a, in a certain time. Uh, so it's really worth doing. I know, and we don't get to do that, do no, we? No, <laughs> I never get to see. I never get to see anybody else's work, which is a terrible shame. I did the trail before I joined it. I think this year might be my sixth year, fifth or sixth year, something like that. And it's different every year. Um, some people, especially locals, they. I love that people in my street all come to see me, um, and I get to meet new people every time. Um, and a lot of people who follow you on social media love to come and see where you work. Um, that's, that's also a great thing. So I get visitors from all over Sydney, literally, that drive to Greenwich. Um, they want to come and see your work, and then they want to see all the other lovely people. You know, we're so lucky. To get the most out of it, you need to grab the Greenwich Village Arts Trail map. Where would I get that? Well, the IGA has it, the bottle shop has it, all the stores yep. up at the, in front of the school have it. And as well as that, uh, the, we, we'll have them as well in our studios, but you can also see them on, we'll see all the information on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, so what is the Facebook site to go to so that we, I can make sure that... It's the Greenwich Village Arts Trail. Right, and there's also the Greenwich Village Arts Trail Instagram. Instagram. In this year, though, we're limiting the amount of people to 20 that come into the studios. That's right. So you're just, you'll, you'll comply with all the COVID regulations yes, and make sure that, absolutely. Yeah, that people are, uh, have the distancing and you'll have little, cross, little X's on the, on the, the road and everything like yep. that. There are award-winning artists on this trail. Absolutely. And, and Dana is, is, is uh, sitting here hiding her light under the bushel. You must have won mm. so many awards. Can you just quickly tell us all the different awards you've won? Because oh. you are amazing. I've won several awards, yes. Oh, <laughs> come on. The Lankove Art Society, yes. Hunters Hill. Come on, give me a few. Yeah. Don't, don't be... And the biggest one was the uh, Gosford Art Prize mm. uh, in 2017. That was a big prize that I won. 600 to 1,500 people would enter and then they select 
maybe 40 to 100, I don't know, depends on the gallery. And then there's one winner, yeah. So if people want to know more about you, your website is? It's danadion.com. And you spell D-A-N-A-D-I-O-N.com? Yes. Nicola, how do we find out about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably the best way, Nicola Hart Studios. And also have a website, heartstudios.com.au. So that's Nicola, N-I-C-O-L-A, Hart, H-A-R-T, Studios, S-T-U-D-I-O-S. I'm reading a beautiful brochure called the Greenwich Village Arts Trail Open Studio Weekend, 7th to 8th of November 2020, 10 to 4 p.m., meet the artists, see their work, buy direct. And so the very first place I go to, I'll grab this and then it'll give me the map and I walk and I can do it in one day or two. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. In the Cove, because local matters. So, Jackie, that was our second episode done. Very exciting. Um, Now, apparently there was a TV personality in Lane Cove recently. Why, yes, there was. It it wasn't Tom Gleeson, was it? No, it was a much bigger, brighter ABC personality called Costa. What was was he doing? Costa came to interview two Lane Cove legends who run each year the huge plant sale. The huge plant sale is run by Keith and Maureen Smith and they have raised over $100,000 for charity. Uh, and the funds go to the National Breast Cancer Foundation and Costa did a really good interview with them and it's available on iView. It was the episode, the 16th of October. You should have a look at it because it really does show some great Lane Cove identities. And look, I, I love Costa and look, that beard has been, he's been growing that before COVID was even a word that we we're aware of. So it's great to have him come to Lane Cove and he's so passionate about you know, plants, flowers, native wildlife, everything. So what a pleasure. Do yourself a favour, jump onto iView and have a look at that. And, you know, he was controversially beaten in the gold Logie race by Tom Gleeson. But you've apparently there's been a sighting of Tom Gleeson. Well, yes, there was. But unfortunately, not in Lane Cove, but by a Lane Cove resident, so it nearly counts. Up in Byron Bay, uh, some Lane Cove residents saw Tom in the distance and who would believe that man has a turn of speed. He outwitted them by ducking and weaving so they couldn't go and see him and say, hey, Lane Cove is not boring. Yes, yeah, so look, the challenge is out there to Gleeson. Come to Lane Cove. Jackie will give you a personalised tour to show you why Lane Cove is far and away the most interesting suburb in Sydney, not the most boring. But anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. If you want to listen to the podcast, you can go to Spotify and subscribe by going In The Cove. Apple Podcasts, you can also do that. And when you go to Apple, write In The Cove Podcast. It will come up. You subscribe. Hey, and if you want, you can rate and review it because it really helps the podcast grow. Remember that In The Cove is a multimedia platform company based in Lane Cove. And you can access us via our website, which is in thecove.com.au, our Facebook page, just put in in the cove one word, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, you can sign up for our weekly news blast, which comes out at 7:30 on a Wednesday every week by going to our website and just going to the sign up to our newsletter box on the side. 
And uh, look, believe me, people love that newsletter. I was six minutes late one night getting it out and I got calls. So one thing we can say about everyone in Lane Cove, we're very time aware here. Thanks again to Rain and Horn for letting us use their fabulous boardroom. And remember when you're gambling, do it responsibly. No Melbourne Cup system is perfect. So have a little flutter and enjoy the first Tuesday in November. Until next time, see you later. Bye. This podcast has been produced by localpodcasts.com.au. If your company or organisation needs a podcast, contact Rob. 0404 289 956.